it is the end of round three. We're here 12 rows back to witty and football intelligent fans with an insightful take on our great game. A crazy round three. I know there's plenty for you and I to talk about, Seb, but how did you find the Easter round? Uh, it was a long one, starting on Thursday night down here at, uh, at Marvel Stadium and running right through to to Monday afternoon with traditional rivals of... Uh, not so traditional rivals, I guess, but the new blockbuster of Easter Monday. A uh, lot of footy in that five-day stretch, Tom. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm casting my mind all the way back to Thursday with uh, Zach Bailey kick after the siren. Geez, that was a, a clutch play to just kick us off. And then, yeah, I, th- I think the theme of the round was not just upsets, but large differentials when we're talking <laughs> the the, uh, the for and against uh, they, the, the upsets weren't just pipped at the post, they were large thrashing so uh, plenty plenty to get through on that front I reckon Seb Yeah, yeah there was a few results, a few unexpected results a few potentially expected results and some big results uh, where do you want to start, do you want to like there's, there's limelight on both of our proud football clubs, oh. you want to throw it on me to start Dare with, I say, game one. The, the feedback we've been getting from the viewers is that the, they can smell a bit of blood here. Both our teams have had terrible weeks. That's probably putting it lightly um, within the Saints and the Roos. So I'm, I'm happy. Look, we owe it to our loyal listeners to to get into it and give you give you our views. We do the ups and the downs, and uh, this isn't our flashiest week, so we'll cover it. Uh, I, I'm thinking, yeah, given uh, you were on on Friday, we'll, we'll cover the ruse first. So hit me, Seb, thoughts, feelings. What did you make of it? All right, so I've got about 45 minutes worth of thoughts that I can run through. I'll try and compress it, and then feel free to fire off any questions you want. But obviously, we're on a time frame here, so don't... Uh, so hit me with your best ones early. Now, um, firstly, and this is this is true. You might think I'm give, like pulling your leg here, but I've never walked yeah. out of a 128 point loss happier than I did on Friday. Um, <laughs> that's true. This is some spin here. This is some positive spin. This is you're, you might be a rare breed here, Seb. Uh, had nothing to do with the results on field. Um, it was the first game taking my son to the football and. That was just like a great little bonding experience. He came along, oh, he loved it. Um, was there, he was sitting next to me and, and my old man who he calls Par and was really happy with it. And um, he did say to me midway through the third quarter, Dad, it's time to go home. He didn't know what was going on in the game, but maybe he did. <laughs> maybe, maybe he did, yeah. Maybe he's smarter than what I give him credit for. Um, he lasted out the whole game, though, with the old YouTube on the phone. Um and at one stage Which, in the last quarter, he was just singing the ABC, like the alphabet song. And I think he was just telling the Roos to get back to basics because they sort of were all over the shop. <laughs> so he's a smart kid. Sharp I'm glad he didn't operator. pick up the um, the Bulldog song. You don't want him singing that on the way home. You, you had him in the merch there, the Roos scarf. You got him a little membership there. So he would have had a bit of gear. Yeah, he actually doesn't have a jumper. I've got to sort that one out. Um, ironically, Dad gave me the... The club gave us signed, four signed Guernseys for keeping our membership last year. So I got a signed Guernsey on the day from Ben Cunnington. Um, oh, that's that's not too bad either. Yeah, that was swiftly put in the bag. Kept out of sight on the way out of there just to, just to sort of get out. Uh, so, concentrating on the club. We came out with effort and we actually matched them for the first quarter. Parts in the second quarter. We kicked a goal. What was given a goal and then they had a score review and, and overturned. So... That from that point on, I think the dogs kicked the next 
17 goals, 15 goals. I don't know what the figure was. It was just goal, 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 goal. And we were non-competitive really from there. Uh, it's it, Look, it was disappointing. It's disappointing to lose like that. I'd like it, just any viewer, any viewer or actually any genuine tipster across the globe who actually thought North Melbourne were going to win that game to put their hand up. Because I, I don't, I, I can't think of it. The only people who were putting North in were people who may tip based on teams' colours rather than their performances or diehard Roo supporters. There's no other reason you'd tip us to win. It, we were eight bucks in the odds. So from that point of view, I didn't go in expecting to win. I certainly didn't come out go in expecting to lose by 21 goals. So that was disappointing. But let's just let's just run through some of these players that played in this game and just just to give you an idea of, of the team we put together versus like these are the dogs they won the flag five years ago they've had some ups and downs since then they're and I've said this I shifted them up into the top four of my preseason predictions and they're like they're there to win the flag we went in with Luke Davies Uniac who's 21 played 30 games Taron Thomas 21 played 29 games Lazaro, who's 19, played three games, and he was a sub in one of them. Obviously, we brought in Phillips for his first game. He's 18. We brought in uh, Powell, Tom Powell, 19, playing his third game. Our key forwards, Nick Larkey, he's 22, played 32 games. Cam Zerhar is 22, played 47 games, who's really not a key forward, but he's playing that role because we don't have anyone else. Bailey Scott, 20, played 20 games. Jaden Stevenson, 22, played 57 games, was probably our best. Um, we had Marnie, who's 19, played 13 games. Simpkin, who's 23, so the oldest of this lot, um, who's played 76 games. Uh, Lockie Young, who we got from the Dogs, 21, played 11 games. Kyron Hayden, 21, played 10 games. Uh, ben Mackay is 23, who he's only, he's only played 20-odd games as well. They all played. We also had Aiden Bonar miss, who's 22, played 14 games. So there's a hell of a lot. There's, there's no experience well, yeah, not, in that side. Yeah, there's just some up-and-coming, no no household names there, some up-and-comers, I guess. Yeah, that's that's Yeah, useful. so I'm excited about a, a lot of those players and what they can do. Um, but given the stage of their development, coming up against the Dogs, who are a fast-paced team, they want to get the ball moving, and the rules have now changed to allow them to be able to punish teams who can't defend. And you've got the 666 rule, which means we can't go, hey, Larky, go sit behind the ball. Look. They were getting the ball out of the centre and kicking goals. You, you can't have someone start back. You've got to wait for the bounce, yeah, you got to, move yeah. them back. And if you're doing that... Yeah, I was going to say, you can do it that way. They yeah, go into off the half no back. man's land for a minute. Or if you get the clearance and they're running off to the other end of the ground, you're just giving the ball up. So it's not as easy as just plonking someone behind the ball. So from that point of view, these losses are going to come this year. So the morons blaming the coach and saying the coach he hasn't changed the game plan enough. We had one game plan Jeez, under... Are you, are you, were you hearing that from fans? That yep. Game plan talks in a coach's yep. third game. I've seen a lot of Jeez. it, and, and does Noble know what he's doing? I've seen this sort of stuff. And look, <laughs> Brisbane were... Under Fagan, they had a couple of years where they were still trying to put it together and had a couple of losses. I don't know if they were this big, but did have some big losses. So he knows more or less what to do on the other end of it. But... We've had one game plan under Brad Scott, then we've gone to Reese Shaw, and now we've gone to Noble. That's within 18 months. 
we've had those changes. Um, if you're going to point fingers, and rightfully so after you lose by 128 points, you should be pointing fingers. It's Glenn Archer and the board who decided, oh, we'll just put Reese Shaw in, and now we've gone on this search for Noble. They sacked Brad Scott and didn't have the succession plan, and that's snowballed into sort of 18 months of development hell. So that, yeah. I think, has really been the big part of the setback. And, and then you look at some of the players that were sent out. You've sent out Ben Brown, although he's not playing, would obviously help this side. Sean Higgins out. We got Lazaro for him, so it's probably going to be a win for both clubs. Just you can't compare where Sean Higgins is at to Lazaro and think you're going to get anywhere near the same output. So I'm not down on the club or anything like that. They were disappointing. Um, it's a disappointing result. There'll probably be a few more, but there's just so much upside that if you get caught up in whether it was a, we lose by 10 goals or 21 goals here, it's it's a blip on the map in, in three years' time. Look, yeah, well said. That's that's all fair. I'm, 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 if you don't mind, I did have a question while you were saying that. So I'm thinking, you know, obviously when you, you're building a list, there's a point where it's nice to have that youth coming through complemented by your senior group. So I want you to put the senior players at the ruse in the gun and just say, are they helping your youngsters come through? Obviously, it was good to have Ben Cunnington back and, and he's a workhorse who, who'll show them. But I guess that those other players in the senior group, I mean, they're the ones show, you know, showing the example. You're sort of saying, you know, you can't uh, put players back and flood back. But, you know, could a Zeeble or could a leader just step back, play a bit of tempo footy, say, boys, let's go keepings off. Let's, let's get it on our terms at least. It, it just, it did seem particularly late in the game, it really... You know, I know in these losses, you know, 10 becomes 15, becomes 20, whatever the margin, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm just thinking, how did your senior group stand up in your eyes? That You know, I'm, I'm, if you can name names, that'd be great. But I know Atlee's a whipping boy of yours. Um, no, I'll, you know, I'll, go, I'll go the biggest name in that leadership group. The captain, Jack Zeeble, was piss poor. Yeah. He, he had 155 super coach points and it was the worst... 155 super coach point game I've ever seen. He took all the kickouts and either he'd take that short 20 meter kick to the pocket, which the dogs were just giving us all day, and then put the pressure on that player to then do something with it, or he'd just kick it long. That's all he did. That's all he did all game. He can't defend. He's at that stage of his career, which a lot of older players get to, where it doesn't have the speed. So when he gets into a contest, he'll go to ground. And that takes him out of the next contest, of course. So as far as I'm concerned, he's an awful leader. And I don't think he's actually up to AFL standard at the moment. People think he kept us in it because he, he doesn't... He tries all day. I'll give him that. But in terms of being a football player, he's not up to it. Um, and Cunnington was huge, even though it may not have looked it in terms of how we got in the end result. But he, he was huge and a massive... Massive in for us. We sorely miss Robbie Tarrant. Uh, ben Mackay started on Aaron Norton, who didn't actually do too much through the day. Um, ended up on Josh Bruce, but that was far too late by that point. And, and your man Brucey was was up and about. Uh, yeah, it just has a love affair with the Kangaroos. And Good Friday footy. Six, six, yeah, 6-6 six, six and 10 in his last three games against your boys. He just has, um, no, Tom, sees a fixture in life. 6-6, six, six, six and 10. When he was with the Saints, he kicked six last yeah, time they played us. True. So I, I don't know what that is, but like, by the end of it, they were just, it was a genuine training drill and they were looking for No, it was by the end. 
Todd Goldstein, where, where, where's he at at the moment? Because we, we've talked off air about, you know, the ruckman of the comp and, you know, he, he is one that flows under the radar. Up against English and, and Martin, just, you know, giving that leadership, I guess, as a ruckman and at those centre bounces. I mean, if you didn't notice him, you didn't notice him. That might be a blight on itself. How, how are you viewing him at the moment? Uh, look, I think teams are going to struggle not so much with that ruck combo of English and Martin being elite, but they can throw a genuine, decent ruckman at you all game and just rotate them through. But you don't have to be that good a ruckman when your midfield features Bontempelli, McRae, Hunter, um, Dunkley, uh, Trelaw. Like, they can just throw all these names through. So you don't actually have to be that good a ruckman to tap to blokes like that. So um, I didn't think Gold... I thought Goldstein held his own. There were probably times where he didn't work hard enough and... and Dropped his head a little bit, but I think that was across the board. I don't think you'd take away anything in that regard. I don't well, think it would be too he, harsh. He can't, really, can't really pop down into the hole because it was getting down there so quick. So, And Aaron Hall, does he play in the blue and white next week, weeks after? Where, where are you well, uh, at on Aaron? If it was an American sport, I'd just say, look, you're not... Like I'd just genuinely release him from his contract. He does not run hard defensively. Uh all he wants to do is get a kick and get on the end of it. I look. I thought he had some potential when we recruited him. Quickly found out that was wrong. Uh, but look, you want to throw up some senior names? We dropped. Uh, we dropped Tom Dyson, as I call him, Don Dyson. We dropped him. He didn't play. Uh, Atlee should never play for us again. And look, when I say that, these guys are going to have to play because you can't just throw the kids to the wolves. Yeah, so I do understand yeah. that. But Atlee to have played 200 games and still not to be able to hit a target properly is just, it's deplorable. Uh, Aaron Hall, Pollock doesn't really show any heart or any care for the jumper. I know he got injured, but he's just there to collect a paycheck. That's fine if that's what you want to do. But when when your club's hurting, supporters quickly notice things like that. Um, yeah, um, Josh Walker. No, he's serviceable. He's trying his guts out, and we need we need more time. Look, we need a key forward, and the me- the media will carry on about not drafting Logan McDonald at three. Poor Phillips. Jeez, he's my first game, guys. Hundred and twenty eight yeah, point loss. Talk. I'll never forget that because I'll be able to tell my son. You know, yeah, this was your first game. It all only got better from here, son. Um, <laughs> so. Like, we desperately need another key forward because Larky's still a second key forward, if that. Um, and a key defender. Like, Terrence, what, 31? Going on 32? Yeah. Birthday's April, I think. Um, yeah, I was going to say, in our year level, obviously, at school, but a year younger than us, so I think 32 this year. Yeah, that, that's... Yep. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. Uh, look, he's no spring chicken, uh, so that's... We're going to need to find a replacement there. Like, there are still holes we need to plug, but, like, this is the other point I want to make about this. And and there was hysteria Friday afternoon, Saturday morning, and and we're going to get on to where the hysteria got directed shortly. But we have been told for years, we were mad in 2014-15, we couldn't make the finals, and we ended up going to two back-to-back prelims, and that was sort of the ceiling, and our list was no good, right? And that's what we were told. And Brad Scott, I'd still rate his job as a coach in getting our team to where it did, where he did. We obviously didn't have enough talent to get over the line. I know Buddy tore us a new one in that prelim, and we were probably well ahead against West Coast and just didn't capitalise. And then, look, they went on. I don't think... Well, obviously, both teams lost to, to Hawthorne in the grand final. 
and we did that and we kept getting told to drop off and and you know you got to rebuild and and i still think like i said i think i said on the podcast last week brent harvey could probably still be running around and there's some footage of him from uh half time he's all decked he's, out in his north melbourne gear oh yeah oh yeah uh but Look, we made the decision to move on some of those players, but we still did it with the view that we could compete, and we didn't. We we just needed to free up those spots for some of these younger guys. Now, I I still would have kept. Maybe I would have kept them too long, and maybe I wouldn't have made the hard decision. So that that's fine. Like, I would have thought making that decision in twenty sixteen, you would have borne the fruits of that labour a bit sooner. We're now twenty twenty one, but. What we've been told from the media is we have to bottom out, we have to bottom out, we have to bottom out. And we got Davies Uniac with pick four, and then we actually finished, I think, 10th. Not enough games to finish 10th, just outside the eight. And then last year was a disaster, and we've got pick three, and or had pick two down to pick three, got Phillips. We've finally done what they wanted us to do and bottomed out, and we, we should get, like, at the rate we're going, we're going to get picks one and two, because that's the AFL secret recipe we should get a priority pick because they're telling us we're terrible so we've done exactly what the media wanted to but now they want to sit there and bash us and carry on and i mean the talk of bringing good friday office is just getting rid of equalization through the comp and we're just going to give it the marquee fixtures to the big clubs and then we'll support the rest but then they complain the little clubs can't support themselves it's a you just go around in circles so i i just think it's a massive overreaction to a game that we were not expected to win. And yeah, we played poorly, but it, 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 that's that was just going to happen at some point through the year, whether it was 80, 90, 120. Um, I bet you if this was last year, it would have only been 60 or 70 points because they've changed the rules to allow more scoring. So suddenly when you get a bad team playing a good team, the good team can score more and the result looks worse. So you can't, you, Steve Hawking takes all the credit for opening up the game, he's got to take some of the blame for having such a one-sided loss. Yeah, look, I, I take a point as well that I guess at this point of the year, these losses stand out more. I mean, if this was the depths of winter at a bit of a, you know, not affecting the top eight, top four sort of round, you know, these losses happen towards the back end of the year all the time. Start of the year, you know, opinions are being formed. We still don't know who's where and who's in what form. Come the end of the year, this I'm hoping for your sake it's not a standard result, but this one might not, you know, be too bad given you know the dogs are looking like they're a top four outfit. You're at the other end, yeah. Like you said, scoring got out of hand, but it could have easily just been a you know 80, 90 sort of point just game, but just blew out late. So yeah, I, I take your points on there, Seb. And to your credit, you you were there in, in the stands and and cheering them on. Didn't leave early as some fans might have been tempted to do. I mean, yeah, you got to stick with the club through thick and thin. I, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know if we want to segue already, but, you know, I was chatting last week about, you know, those moments for your teams and, you know, what you can do and, and results you can get when you're uh, sort of sitting potentially in that bottom two. And, yeah, might, might have already uh, called myself out with uh, giving the Bombers a few tips because I think they went and listened and said, oh, well, we might make one of those memories, Tom, and they just got on a little bit of a roll. The one last thing I want to say is, despite all the doom and gloom, we are literally two games out of the eight. Yeah, that is as optimistic as you can get. I like it. You got to stay positive. You got to stay positive. Now, I briefly alluded to this. Uh, 
it was all doom and gloom across the AFL media Saturday morning. Come about 7.10 on Saturday, there was another result that uh, had caught the eye of uh, of the negative Nancys through, through the AFL media, and that was the Saints getting not just beaten by the Bombers, who we didn't think would fire a shot, but comprehensively beaten, 75 points by Essendon, who widely tipped to be bottom four. Uh, Tom, what happened? Yeah, I'm, I'm shaking my head. I've been... Uh trawling through the history books of my time just to try and find another loss that was as bad as this one really it it was it, it's pushing the top of that list so I went went to the game I went along uh, a lot of Essendon fans letting me know uh, about this result weren't there but I, I was there as a Saints fan um, went along and yeah went in with uh, my dad and sister and, and brother we were all there and you know we we had that there's a toeiness that you get as a Saints fan. There's no guarantees as a Saints fan. I mean, this was a, my feeling was as close to a guarantee. I was strutting in thinking we were going to win, but then, yeah, flipping right to the end, we were all on the way home thinking about uh, as bad a losses as we've had. And the one that jumped out to me was back in '99. We were ten goals up against the Hawks out at Waverley one Saturday afternoon, and they came back and beat us. And it legit broke us as a club. Timmy Watson didn't last the year. We finished you know, wooden spoon the next, went into the Rewalt days. That was a, you know, defining moment for our team. I mean, we had some shocking losses in the Richo era, but, you know, you sort of could get over it and you sort of, your expectation. But this was a genuine level of expectation versus the reality. It, it was as large as I've seen. So, I mean, I sat here last week and bit my tongue, I was like, look, if we can't beat the Bombers, in my head, I was like, we should fold as a club or, you know, the finals are done, the year's over if we lose this game. So we went in confident. We had that false sense of security and the, the result, you know, is just the biggest stinger because it's not, you know, one of those upsets where, geez, we were flat and we just got pipped, you know, or we lost by a couple of goals. We were genuinely thrashed. It was an absolute obliteration from the Dons, you know, to 75 points. I mean, that's that's stuff that, you know, we're talking about the ruse there, you know, it is stuff that you see the top teams do to the bottom and we would do, you know, it was against a legit reserve side, you know, they lost Sheil and Draper and, and a lot of their central players and I know they got a couple of names back, but it was a glorified VFL side in my books and we just didn't fire a shot at all. I mean, even there was a point in the game where, you know, I was hanging on to the thread that Essendon were 40 points up against Car uh, Hawthorne in round one and let that slip. And then there was legit a point where I'm like, we're just not good enough to even kick two goals right now. We're not going to get anywhere near this. And the scoreboard just kept going up. Um, but I, I knew it was going to be a long afternoon. First bounce, the Bombers waltzed it out. And the thing with a, a young side like the Bombers is you just can't give them a sniff. We 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 didn't give them a sniff. We gave them a full buffet to just take in. I mean, they had the first five centre clearances and were waltzing it out of there with a, with a crazy amount of ease. And we just didn't stop it. We just were happy to play reactive footy. And as soon as that happened, we were done because we were happy to just react to what they were doing, which meant the game was on their terms from the start. Um, the thing that was disappointing was that you know, the goals are lining up, the, you know, we're playing reactive footy, but we just couldn't do anything to stop the flow. And then just the effort went out the door, the confidence went out the door. It was just, it, and it rained goals. So it was, it was just, 
it was hard to watch. I'm sitting there shaking my head the whole time. You know, yes, there were you know freeze and bombers players doing you know the ball bouncing up for them, all those crazy things. But when it comes down to it, it was just the effort. You know, we uh, the amount of times I was up on the third level, so I had a good viewpoint that you could see a, a stoppage and just our I, I'd questioning our like midfield structures really <laughs> just seeing just where we were positioned where we let them position and yeah like I said reactive so every stoppage I was watching them line up on one side and have a real easy out and then our poor back line was just going to have no chance and then just that crazy thing with confidence so the Bombers structures were you know sound they were leading up hook a kick five for god's sake so things were going right for them and then down the other end it was a two-on-one every goal that we kicked was an absolute effort so yeah at no stage really in that second half did i think we had the goods to kick it and then yeah like i said off the top just that that perception you know we sort of were like oh brad crouch back you know another gun and yeah the bombers are on one leg you know how, how easy is this i don't know if the players thought that but it, it it did feel like that but it was just yeah it was hugely deflating um it's flattened us right out i mean yeah i i am positive to to a fault about the saints but now it's it's backs against the wall stuff because this was the the gimme game that we needed to sort of go two and one into playing west coast uh richmond and port adelaide in our next three you needed this game to sort of keep the season on track now every game is basically an elimination final almost um but yeah it just the lack of ruckman i think is really the core of this issue so you know we're trying carlisle in the ruck you know mckernan in the ruck these are makeshift ruckman paul hunter's in his um second game and our midfield's just struggling, which means our back line is under intense heat and we're just not delivering the forward line. The whole thing's collapsed a little bit. So, yeah, there's so much to work on and it was so deflating. So, yeah, I hope that's a, a summary. I'm happy to take uh, any questions, Seb, uh, on that. But, yeah, it, it was a... I, I did stay till the end, a la yourself, and, and that was hard enough. We saw another group of fans celebrate like they'd won a final. So that's two games this year and two finals-like celebrations we've had to endure. But, um, yeah, look, it, it's as, yeah, it's up there with the 99 Hawks loss, really. that That is an absolute shocker from the Saints. So... I guess the, the key thing for the Saints right now is to try and turn that loss into an aberration and not have that be a defining point of the season because... Absolutely. Uh, I know if you look at Richmond, was it round three or four last year? They got absolutely belted by Hawthorne, who went on to do nothing. Richmond still yeah, won the flag. Now, Richmond, that team has more credentials than the current Saints team. I'm not comparing them for a second, but they turned that loss into an aberration. And, and if you ask the, the average fan on the street, they wouldn't know what happened. You've got to come up against West Coast this week. Thank God you're at Marvel, because I reckon yeah, they could get ugly over yeah. there. But Nick Nananui is the informed Ruckman of the competition. And you, <laughs> yeah, so, you've, pointed, well, yeah. so you've pointed your problems to the Ruckman, but... Essendon went with two meter Peter, who has not really played ruck very much Correct. at all. So, how like how is there is there a plan? Are you just going to write this one off? Like what what do they do? Well, yeah. So that that all adds to it as well. So we yeah, looking at the fixture and basically matchup wise, this is as nightmarish as it gets to have an informed Nick Nat coming up against our, our ruck division. Now, in Brett Ratton's presser, he was saying that that young Hunter. Uh, you know, he was dropped, but he was, you know, just 
coping with the rigors of AFL football, didn't quite get through two games uh, all clear and just needed the break and was just out of touch. Look, he comes back to give us some semblance of size, but it is massively concerning that matchup. So, I mean, yeah, we're we're worried here because you know Rowan Marshall's coming back from uh, I think it's a some sort of stress-related uh, foot injury, which which are never the best at times. They they can really they can come up okay, or they can be almost season-ending. It's not the kind of thing we you know we want to rush him back from. Paddy Ryder's sorting his stuff out too, so he he's not uh, coming back from a while either. So the solution's not coming. So that's that's the worrying part too. And I think the thing that's just deflated the Saints group, and it, it's more yeah, just as a collective group of fans. I mean, last year we played a amazing footy, won a final. We earned you know we. There were a lot of tickets there from fans that, that were loving it and a lot of trust built up in this playing group that we were going to do something. Well, they've got to win that back because Saturday, they've gone they've gone way backwards. The, the trust in this group is has been rattled. So it, it's just how yeah how they respond to that and, and earn that trust back. Basically, all the tickets we'd earned from last year are gone now. So look, th- this is going to show just, you know, what, what this group's made of, I guess, because we're coming up. This is really as back to the wall as you can get. So, yeah, to just go back to the Ruckman thing, this is the biggest challenge you could have. Yes, it's at Marvel. So, you know, looking at the fixture at the start of the year, you're like, no, nah, this this is a chance for us. So now, yeah, yeah. you're looking at the fixture going, what the hell's going to happen here? But, Look, yeah, I, think, I yeah. think the Saints will respond, and West Coast are a different yeah, team home versus away. So you certainly won't go in as favourites, but the response should be there. Uh if you were a betting man, you'd look at these three games and go, the Saints will be underdogs and there's a high chance you're looking at a 1-5 and five start and Harry Himmelberg shank from being 0-6. Now that, yeah, I can tell you, because I, I got a lot of feedback when I put my rankings out and had the Saints out of the eight. It wasn't the expectation for St Kilda at the start of the year, Tom. Is that something, I guess as a fan you're concerned about it, but the club won't be even thinking anything like that. They'll be gearing up for West Coast this week, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe conditioning staff looking ahead at what's ahead. But the, the group this week, you'd, you'd assume, because, you know, th- this is the biggest test of Brett Ratton's, you know, tenure at the Saints is how he gets us to respond this week. So that the, it'll be just full decks clean. There's only one game on the schedule, boys. Let's just go for it. So yeah. does, um, um, does Brad Hill play in this game? Yeah, look, I've got interest. Like, look, the... I'm not. I'm not trying to speak on behalf of of the fans because I think they would like him to be dropped. I'm not one of them. I know he's in terrible form and he he's really just lost his pace, his work rate, his, his kicking and handball efficiency too. Which handball efficiency is just almost a given at AFL level. So he's not the only one that's lost it. But I I don't know. I'm, I'm I think. He's too good a player, I think, to drop. But I mean, if you are going to drop him, it would be now. Look, I'm, I'm, I think you keep him because we we do need all the class and and experience that he brings to the table in the side. I I, I think, you know, I, I have mentioned we have depth, but that next level down, you know, how do you replace Brad Hill who comes in? We have sort of, I guess, you know, a couple of young blokes that are finding their way, like a Jack Pytel. 
I just I, I just don't think we want to take that out of the side against the Eagles. I think we need his his speed at Marvel. I'm going to give him another chance. I'm yeah. one that's willing to give him another chance. Look, if you're paying him the figure that's been reported, which is somewhere around the 900, uh, you you wouldn't be dropping him for just about any reason because you'd back him to regain his form over sending. You're not sending him back to the twos to get his form back. That's a waste of time. Brett yeah. Ratton may want to send a message that that effort was unacceptable and he is the sort of name that may get brought up in the sense of well, he's not the captain. Well, I was going to say you don't drop the captain unless you're GWS, uh, but that's a story for another day. Um, you won't drop the captain to send a message. Brad Hill is senior enough, but also he's a little bit out of form, so you can sort of justify that. So uh, that'll be an interesting one come selection uh, as to whether they do yeah. or don't. Do anything well, with I mean, the I mean, when you're looking at players in the gun too. So, the small forward brigade that we've got, Jack Higgins, he he was fine. He kicked three and had eighteen. But I guess that I'm worried with there are. It does happen when you sort of bob up like we did last year. And I think it, it I got the feeling just this was just you know in the last two games that we've been worked out a little. Teams have sort of know what to expect, and that. It's particularly affected uh, Dan Butler, who who just hasn't been able to get a sniff really for the first three games. I know he kicked a sealer against the Giants, but that was basically his input on that day. So he, he, teams have really gone to work on him. He's not getting any space. I mean, Tipper nabbed him in the middle in this game. Um, I mean, he was playing in the midfield at one stage just to get a little bit of a spark. So um, uh, he's one that they've worked out. I guess, yeah, Max King, and you know, he's being double teamed. He's, he's not getting near it. And, you know, it's, yeah, the, the smalls just aren't getting a sniff, um, and we we I got to the point where I was thinking, oh geez, we could do with Jaron Geary back in that backline just for some on-field leadership and some stability. Make of that what you will about the state that we're in when we're sort of you know we're he, he's yeah. not basically he's not Paddy Dangerfield coming back. He's the warrior type, so it's that's sort of the concern. It's not it's not talent that we need right now. It's just that basic, the basics, the effort and the team camaraderie and playing the way we want to play, not reacting to the opposition and hoping that we could do it better than them. Yeah, I would say on that, um, Jack Steele did stand up as captain and tried his hard yeah, out no, all day. So I guess it wasn't on-field leadership so much as you wanted someone down back with that sort of nous. And the ball was coming in and there were players everywhere. You just, just said, you know... You're meant to be here. You're meant to be here. I mean, yeah, it, it it was flying in that quickly. I mean, I'm not sure there's that much you could do, but I think yeah, there was a bit there that you know when you sort of miss a Geary, uh, you know, Geary type. I mean, Ben Patton as well. I know he's not a household name, but he's just one of those players that he's on his bloke and his bloke's not getting a kick. We could have done with him on a Jakey Stringer, for example, who's a confidence player that brings his team with him. So, you know, the, the I mean, yeah, look. But the the fact is, it does come down to the ruck in the midfield. That that is where we're struggling. Melbourne had a day out. Uh, we're lucky. Yeah, the Giants went at full strength again. A, a young Essendon group. Um, you know, we, Bruce Free Footy is what we were playing basically. I think we broke records for minimal amounts of tackles. I think I saw a stat that there were more tackles in the EJ Witten game at halftime than we had at halftime, which which really hurt because uh, great cause that one. But um, yeah, that that's that was how bruise free it was, and we had just way too many players without a tackle. And yeah, Brad Hill and Dan Butler were two that didn't lay one, which you you just can't have. So yeah, they, they yeah. have the speed to put some pressure on. So and, yeah. and Brad Hill as well. He's 
I don't know about leadership group status or anything like that, but when you're paying a bloke that sort of money, you need him to lead by example and pressure and, and get a tackle, run someone down. Because that can, even in those games where you like three quarter time, you know you're out and you can't win. But if someone can do that in the last quarter and you kick two or three in a row, you can get something to build on for next week. And if, if players are not, I admit I didn't watch the second half, but if players are not willing to do it, then does the coach send a message and just say, hey, you guys, not interested in this week? It's not form-related. It was purely effort. We don't accept that here. I've got one more question for you, and this is a really left-field one, and I'm going to enjoy asking it. Uh, so there's a lot of talk and it's more so in relation to my club in the media about Tazzy wanting this new AFL team and the licence and, and they want to move one down there. And, and North are being floated because obviously what they deal with the government, we do play some games down there. Are you a bit worried that St Kilda are north of $12 million in debt and now I've had poor on-field performance the last, you know, n- nothing was great with Richo. You had a sort of good year last year when you had that great run of no injuries and now this year is starting to look down the barrel of a pretty poor one. Are you worried about being able to sort of start paying down that debt, given if you don't have on-field success, you sort of can't build the off-field so well? And just for those listening at home who may not be aware, North Melbourne are well down to sort of the $500,000 in debt, and we're actually knocking it down, one of only, I think, three Victorian clubs to make a profit last year. Yeah, I love I love a good left field one. Yeah, look, it it, it, it is concerning at any time when your your debts at those levels. Um, and obviously the AFL handouts are coming, but they're not going to clear it up. So I think we're still recovering from the mess that was a move down for Seif, down to Seaford. I think you know we just invested so much down there. I've got a tour of the facility, great facility, but just not the atmosphere and not the homeland of the of the club. So um, yeah, the you know, the, the boards have shown over the journey at the Saints that occasionally there's a good one, but most of the time there's a lot of infighting and overspending. I, I have full faith in, in Matt Finnis and, and Lethleen in there. They were two great off-field recruits for us uh, to straighten it up. Um, $12 million does sound incredibly large, but uh, look, the AFL's committed to, to the teams that are in there at the moment. I, I do feel, and I'm going to give you Ruse a backhanded compliment, um, you know, as good as the on-field can be for the Roos, you never seem to be able to crack it big, uh, even when you're winning flags, whereas I do think there is an underground of Saints fans that do, uh, you know, as your Richmond we've seen with that, will come, you know, I mean, we had 50,000 members, uh, I think, even last year and the year before that. So, you know, we do have fans in the woodwork that, that can help with that if we can get the on-field stuff going out, uh, going our way. Um Look, it's it's going to take years to pay that off, but I think with our foot in Moorabbin and and you know getting things on track with the, yeah the leadership we have off the field now, I, I can see us straightening out that twelve mil. Maybe not getting it down fully. I mean, I will take my hat off. I know I bagged you before, but the Ruse are you know not using the pokies, which is commendable to them. That's an unbelievable effort to get your uh, debt down even without that. We're still relying on the Madash, so. Uh, you, you're you know, you're relying addition. on the AFL just distributions. You're getting four million dollars more than any other Victorian club the past three years, Tom. Yeah, true, but I mean, don't those move around? I mean, we're not guaranteed that ongoing. If if your ruse go pear shaped, won't your amounts go up? I mean, isn't it all relative? It, it it is, but I'm just talking the figures from the last three years. That is what, according to my great mate at the Herald Sun, Johnny Ralph. Uh, 
that is that is the figure. So that like that's significant. If we got an extra four million dollars every year, we'd be seven million surplus. Yeah, well, look, we might need to get somebody on from the AFL to explain that. But look, <laughs> I, I think I don't You've know. You've answered if we this have really well. You've answered that well because I, I just, I've known about this figure and I haven't heard it reported through the media that much. But um, they've always carried on about North's debt, and the Saints have this debt. It's all from the move. It's all from the move to see if it and and pulling the pin on it, rightly so. But the decision to make the move in the first place is where it's come under fire. But they're obviously not running the show. So, like, it is what it is. The AFL is not going to let it collapse. By any means. And there's also obviously the Nick Rewalt, Tassie link. He'll be passionate about it. Well, I mean, we've had champion players from down in Tassie. Not saying I want us to move down there in the slightest, but saying we do have the connection there. I mean, even leaving Tassie ourselves and leaving it free to Hawthorne was a huge mistake as well. Um, But uh, yeah, dare I say, I feel our two clubs are in the firing line when it comes to these talks. I mean, they'll never... Melbourne, they could legit move, but they never will because they're too old and they're, they're too batten down to move the D's. I don't think you'll ever hear them in those talks. And I guess the dogs have straightened up and they've claimed the West. So, um, yeah, it, you know, it, they might have moved out of that area. But I agree. Yeah, it's it, certainly both of our clubs. And the thing is, if push comes to shove, I'll shove the Saints ahead of us. I don't want us moving. Well, yeah, look, I think uh, I'm putting a roo overboard uh, over the spirit of Tassie if I had to. My word. Now, before we move on from the Saints and Roos, sorry, listeners, but I know this needed to be addressed. Uh, you had the Saints over the Cats in your initial preseason predictions. Now, the Cats have actually only won one more game than the Saints, so it's not out of the realm of possibility here. But I would say the Cats are travelling a little better than the Saints. I've had a viewer, and he'll, he'll remain, an, he or she will remain anonymous. Uh, this wouldn't be someone that attended the Good Friday game along with you. Oh, there were there were. I think twenty eight or thirty thousand other people there, so I don't know if they were or weren't in attendance. Uh, he wants you to put some money where your mouth is, and if the Saints do finish ahead of the Cats, he'll shave his head, and if they don't, you'll shave your head. Oh, geez, I feel like that's uh, a dash unfair with my feathers thinning a dash. Maybe oh. well, the hair might not come back. No, uh, that's one for the uh, listeners in their cars coming out of uh, Taronga. Um, Oh, can I think about it for a week? Give me some thinking yep, time. Yep, that's all right. Stay on the fence. Stay on the fence, Tom. Uh, <laughs> look, look. No, no, look. I, revisiting, I mean, I, I, I think, obviously, I was fairly bullish on the Saints and reconsidering that right now. I mean, I don't... The cats aren't flying, and, and we'll get into that with our university grades. Um, they're not flying, but, uh, look... Might have might have gone early on uh, on that one, I think, just just a little bit. But um, yeah, look, I'll have a think over over the next week, and uh, I'll report you, back to, uh, back uh, to that anonymous uh, person yep. who may or may not be in the AFL industry in some sort of form. Yep, I won't reveal my source. Now, uh, let's get on to our university grades here, and we'll, we'll... a much love segment. Segment. We're getting great feedback, and we want more of it. So hit up. Uh, that Instagram or Facebook inbox or 12 rows back at gmail.com. Love your thoughts on these. So Yeah, please do hit us up on Instagram because we put these thoughts out every week and it's a different way of reviewing it because there are some games that just go the way you expect them to and if teams play up to par, it, it is what it is. Uh, I just want to point out to some of the very smart people who are telling us 
how ridiculous the round one gradings were. It's based on expectation each week. If I could give the round one rankings again now, they would be different, but we have to give them at the time. So to the geniuses who are pointing out how wrong the round one predictions uh, rankings were, uh, well done, but that's not how this works. So just pull your finger <laughs> I can't out. believe we're having to clear, clear that up. Obviously, you know, I gave the Saints a distinction back in round one, which was relevant at the time, but uh, looking back, probably not so much. Um, let's get into it, Seb. Uh, Collingwood versus Brisbane off the top. Going back to Thursday, the thriller. Pies in front for 107 minutes and the Lions for three, but the Lions got the chocolates. I will... I Look, I give, I give the double pass on this. I feel it makes no sense to say Collingwood failed when everything in their control for the whole 120 minutes they actually did and won. Brisbane literally got in front after the final siren. Like I think Collingwood played really well, better than I expected, and I'd give the pass to Brisbane on the fact of this was supposed to be up at the Gabba. Uh, they obviously had to pivot. They didn't bring enough clothes to stay down here for that long, so a hell of a lot of things up in the air, and they still managed to get the win, even though I would say Collingwood played better overall in the night. Uh, I'd give a pass to both teams on the back of that, as disappointing as it was to see Collingwood lose. Like, that's a 50 Like, he's kicked at 50 metres. It's a 50-50 call at that point. Could have gone either way, and I don't see how you can flip-flop based on the result of literally one kick. Well, look, as you've just said that, I'm going to do the exact opposite and flip-flop on one kick, because... For Collingwood to dominate for that much of the game, have their noses in front, not put the Lions away, particularly with uh, Big Grundy having an absolute field day. He, he was playing basically Tom Fullerton, a, a third or fourth gamer. He, I don't know if he was close, he, you know, to breaking the hit-outs to advantage uh, record there. Um, you know, they had it on a platter. They had multiple chances to put it away, even in the last minute. So... At, you know, the game was theirs for the taking. It was switched last minute on the Lions, who were caught sort of on the fly. Uh, you know, Collingwood home game. I, I'm giving them a fail for me. The, it was there for the taking. That's four points gone begging. Um, they're a fail for me. Yes, it's literally based on one kick, but, I mean, the siren went and they were, you know... I mean, sorry, that if you watch the play at that last minute... It, you know, it was shades of that uh, miracle on grass when the, the, the cats got done by the Lions. <laughs> they just were able to get it way too easy from one end of the ground to the other. Pies just like leadership there. Lions, for me, are a distinction because they just hung in that game. I mean, Collingwood had them on toast at various stages. They were really just, you know, they, the Lions almost blew it with a couple of misses, but they were able to straighten up there. McCluggage was huge. They, yeah, didn't really have a ruckman at all. Um, which goes to show um, Saints, you know, it's it doesn't have to, you don't have to. But I mean, in that case, you know, they were able to just reassess their uh, their midfield there and straighten up. So, yeah, literally a Zach Bailey kick from being a fail, but uh, they get the job done, and I'm giving them a distinction for the Lions. So, if uh, he over... misses that goal, you would have given them a fail. I'd flip it completely. Gee, so it doesn't matter. That, that, doesn't matter a, what happens in the first 120 minutes. As long as you can get in front as the siren goes, you get a distinction from this the, man. The the W, Seb, as, as our clubs are desperate for. You know, we, you take it any way you can get yeah, it. Yeah, well, speaking of our clubs, we don't probably don't need to dwell on this one too long, but North will see the coordinator after that performance, and I would say the dogs get a high distinction. Uh, if there was a... Now, I, I looked this up. A high distinction is 85% or above. 
um, in Australian terms. I, I actually think they would get 100 out of 100 for that performance. There was not a single thing you could fault. Uh, the bitter Roos fan in me would fault that when Josh Bruce kicked his 10th, the wrestle started out because they were talking trash. And it's like, well done, you're a bunch of heroes. <laughs> yeah. But couldn't fault anything football-wise from that performance. No, fully agree with you there, mate. I'm with you, yeah. There, I mean, Libba was at the bottom of that little scuffle, which doesn't surprise me. That's just how he rolls. But uh, perfect afternoon for the Dogs. I mean, all their great players played well. And, yeah, big Brucey, who we mentioned before, just absolutely loves playing the Kangaroos. But to also mention, I think he's kicked big bags against the Suns and even the Bombers when they uh, had that 2016 year when no one was really playing for him. So, dare I say, he might beat up on the little guy, Brucey, but I'm not going to... That's a little backhander for a great performance, 10 goals, um, you know, rarely seen these days. And, you know, it was great, you know, 8, 9, 10, following that, um, loved it. Yeah, obviously your boys are off to the coordinator just to uh, straighten up there, just particularly because of the margin and just, just letting it creep out. I think they kicked 10 goals, 7 in that last quarter. So, I mean, geez, if they kicked straight, it could have been really, really ugly. But, um, yeah, you can't not give the dogs a high distinction with the greatest win in their greatest winning margin in their history. Uh, on Friday, we actually saw a second game, so another uh, sort of under-the-radar one, uh, Adelaide versus the Suns over at uh, the Adelaide Oval. What do you think for this one? Uh, look, I had the Crows getting a pass. Uh, it was a good game. I thought the Crows would win. They started out pretty poorly, and the Suns got first three goals, but they came back, managed to hold on and win. Tex is on fire, doing great things up there. Uh, so a pass for the Crows. The Suns, I'm a little bit on the fence. Look, going into it, I'd, I'd give them a pass travelling down. There's a bit of uncertainty up there. That was about how I'd expect them to go. Uh, having said that, if you could grade them based on where they were, three goals to none up, you'd say it's a fail from there onwards to not go on and finish on with the job. But but yeah. going into the game, I would have expected them to get done by one to two goals, which is exactly what it was. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm fully with you there. I mean, I'm sitting on two passes as well. Half considered Adelaide at a distinction, but I guess, the, yeah, the Suns aren't exactly a... Well, they're, yeah, not really a top eight side at the moment, um, and it was their home deck. I think we're reassessing Adelaide at the moment. I think uh, with your ruse and then Freo to come, I mean, they could build a little bit of momentum and really shock a few here. The Crows with a good start. Um, yeah, the, the renaissance of Tex, I think uh, my extreme prediction earlier in our season preview, he's, he's more than halfway there. And I think I saw on the AFL uh, website, they're talking about him kicking 100. So the lid is fully off on Tex at the moment, which is uh, great to see. It's great for footy seeing the key forwards back. Um, he carried them once again. Um, but yeah, for, for me, yeah, look, it, it was a, they did about as well as you could go slightly under a distinction. So pass me and look, the Suns, another gutsy performance. I can't, I couldn't fail them because, you know, they, I mean, you could fail them because they didn't win. They had multiple chances and really could have put them away. But, uh, look, that's, yeah, like you said, Seb, as good as you could expect out of them. Uh, what did you make of the sun-soaked MCG on a Saturday afternoon was looking pristine for the Tigers-Sydney clash? This was a ripper, and it's so great to watch that style of footy. It was free-flowing. Sydney kicked lots of goals. Uh, I certainly didn't expect Sydney to win in the sense of a lot of their their scoring and, and what they're doing is being generated from these young players, and the worst team to come up against when you've got lots of young players is a seasoned side like Richmond. So I didn't expect them to to win and they came out and blitzed them so uh, 
Sydney, I'd give a high distinction. That was phenomenal. And Richmond, I'd fail on the back of... Richmond, you're only going to get probably 15 or 16 or 17 games at the MCG. You've got to win them all if you want to really yeah. fly up to that top four. Yeah, only only about 75% of the year there. Uh, there's uh, the WA mention. Talk it down, those that I had uh, that in the sweep. Did not mention WA. Just as a general rule of thumb, that's, that's what they get. Uh, not concerning at all for Richmond. Like I mentioned earlier, they got rolled by Hawthorne, I think, round three or four last year by yeah. 40 points or 50 points or something like that. It'll be a blip on the radar, but um, you don't want to start dropping too many of them. Otherwise, you're going to be clamouring for, for a spot in the four. That's right. Yeah, fully with you on those two, Seb. I mean, yeah, when when you saw Buddy going out of the Swans lineup, you you were thinking, look, they've they've put the queue in the rack for this Richmond one. They're just going to go out there for experience, and they're they're saving Buddy for at home next week against the Dons. Um, for them to come out, and I mean, I, I was on the way to the Saints game, but was listening to the end of that second, and it was you know forty points at half time. It, it was blitzing football. I mean, the, I, maybe it was the vision, and they were just louder because they were winning. But it looked like there were more Swans fans at the game than there were Tigers fans. Tigers fans, right in if you think that's wrong, but they were up and about the old bloods and the South Melbourne fans, uh, including my own family. A couple of them made it. Uh, Mum and Nanji made it along. Um, but yeah, they, they were on fire and it was, yeah, led by their young guns. I mean, Kennedy and Parker, as well as those young guns, they rolled the clock back, uh, you know, and they did it with our buddy and they did it at the home of football against the reigning premier. It doesn't get better than that. Yeah. Richmond to fail. I mean, this is a young side and this is, you know, they could show their muscle and show why they're the team to beat. And they just let Sydney waltz all over them on their own home deck. So fail for Richmond. Uh, the second game in Melbourne on that Saturday, we've we've covered in detail. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious for me that the, I mean, I was thinking, is there a, can you see anyone higher than a coordinator for the Saints after that one? It was almost new well, category stuff, but I, I, I they're, can they're to and, see the coordinator. Yeah, look, um, like the last game, I trying Essendon were a hundred, they got a hundred percent, they didn't put a foot wrong. Uh, so high distinction and, and full marks there. St Kilda RSC, the coordinator, but this is what happens, right? So the so Gil's sitting in his office. I'll call Gil the coordinator and North are obviously sitting out there. Yeah, oh, geez, we're in trouble. We were poor. We were poor. But North, like the naughty kid, you expected us to be poor through the year. Didn't expect to see the Saints coming down and see the coordinator yeah, at this point. So suddenly, seeing the coordinator. it's like, oh, North, just just run along. You know, go go play the Crows next week. We've actually got to deal with this problem with St Kilda. That is, they're in trouble. So, yeah, you see the coordinator, but I call it a slightly worse see the coordinator than North. <laughs> How's that for splitting hairs? No, I like that one. Um, yeah, they maybe see the Dean. The Dean's a bit more senior than a coordinator. But, um, yeah, look, um, a f- bit of feedback from Bombers fans that I know um, clamouring for the HD, and I am going to give you a HD and just encourage you to go and watch your team and, and turn up to the game and make sure you catch them live because there's nothing better than seeing your team in an upset win at the ground. Um, I'll give the Bombers a, a HD for that one. Um, over out west where you like it said, Port Adelaide met the West Coast Eagles in the game of the round and a bit of a stunning result here that's probably was lost after the uh, surprises we got earlier, but a bit of a, bit of a pantsing really from uh, the Eagles there for the power. Yeah, I, um, I tipped Port. Um, I just thought they were flying and West Coast played really well, but then had to travel back and, and, Maybe I think Porter got a good record over there, but West Coast. Yeah, I think they do. 
not only beat them, beat them handily. So uh, I'm giving West Coast a distinction. Uh, winning at home, taking care of business really well. Uh, Port, it's a fail. But you wouldn't want to lose another one like that to one of the top sides because I feel like Port are a team who... Look, they could win 17, 18, even 19 games this year and be right up there in terms of, yet yeah, we're top of the ladder. But against the good teams, they just you don't seem to have that much confidence in them. And if they have another loss like that to, say, a Geelong or, or a Richmond, I think it's this week or next. Um, yeah, this week they've got the Tigers. Yes, yeah, it, it could really falter just how you perceive them in the sense of, yep, they're great, but they're flat-track bullies. They've beaten up on... Uh, you know, they got to play Adelaide twice and beat up on them and, and stuff like that. So, fail for Port, distinction for West Coast for me. Yeah, fully agree with you there. And great point about Port Adelaide there. I feel like they can win, win and win, but you don't fully trust them as much as we should. For a team that is as good as them with, you know, a nice young list and a good senior core, yeah, they, they get to that pointy end and they just don't, like, you know, Last year it was theirs for the taking to beat the Tigers on their home deck in Adelaide. They didn't get it done. You know, they, they've got a great record. They've gone over to, you know, Optus and, and beaten the Eagles on their home deck. And, you know, they've been top of the ladder for 24 weeks in a row, 17 weeks in a row, all of last year and all of this year so far. So, you know, they had the credentials. But the Eagles just, you know, whether they're flat track bullies too, but I mean, they, they just flex their muscle and just show them how it was done. So I'm happy to sit with you, Seb. Fail for Port Adelaide. Uh, and distinction for West Coast. Um, moving back onto the Sunday games and Frio versus Carlton. I, I we in our uh, weekly tipping and betting segment loaded up on Frio. We were very confident in their ability to come over here and, and shake off a bit of the travel woes and and get the job done. And I'm here shaking my head at their effort at yet again in Melbourne. Something happens on that flight over. Um, they were poor, poor, poor. This time it was the defence in that you, you're giving Big Harry a, a seven goals five. I mean, he just kept getting it and just kept having shots. I mean, he really could have kicked ten as well on the uh, uh, Marvel surface. I've got to give Freo a fail for that effort. And I guess, I mean, the, I'm on the fence about the Blues. I guess coming out of last week, you, you sort of might have thought... You know, a win is a pass, but I, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to work out d- distinction or, or just a pass. I'm just going to pass the Blues for this one. I guess they need to get the job done. They did it in great style and and with a, a bit of a flair, but they really played a flat Frio outfit. And I guess the Blues, it was one they had to win, so that's a pass for me. Yep, I'm I'm right there with you uh, on those grades. Carlton were desperate and played like it and took care of business really well. Um, I think I realised this afterwards, um, and and thank you, although I didn't get my other tip, but in the underdog tipping, you went with Freo, who I was going to go with. Um, I think we both forgot Fife was never playing in that game due to the 12-day concussion. It completely slipped my mind. And while Fife doesn't just come in and kick six goals for them, he straightens them up. Um, gives a young kid someone to look to, and he's the sort of he's the type of player who if they kick two or three in a row, you slot him in the middle, he gets the first clearance, suddenly you got something positive, and it can sort of change the change the momentum of the game at that point. So um, while it was a good win for Carlton, I'm not ready to go out and give him a high grade on the fact of they just did what they should have done. 
um, in terms of gets Frio away, beating you know. Frio away, who have to travel from Perth. So, um, but still, a lot of like for Blues fans at this point. Uh, Paddy Cripps in a bit of form, which they'll like seeing. Yeah, yeah, he's not looking like he's stuck in quicksand so much. <laughs> might like that Marvel deck instead of the G. Um, the Easter Sunday twilight fixture, Giants versus Melbourne, now, uh, the the invisible fixture. I was going to say, be uh, honest here, did you watch any of it? I did not see. In fact, uh, well, yeah, we went out, Mum's 60th, happy birthday, Mum, uh, went out for hers uh, for dinner and we actually had no reception. Wouldn't have affected it. I wouldn't have seen a minute of it. Uh, had to go back and watch the highlights of this one. Um yeah, it's just a, a real ghostly time slot, and I think most D's fans would have uh, seen it that way, unless they were super keen on the Easter Sunday. But um, yeah, basically an invisible game, almost this one. But the D's are three and zip now, so they're up and about. Um, I'm going to give them a pass. They did what they had to do. Cosy Pickett continues his great form, and that's awesome to see. They're really getting their midfield uh, mix right at the moment. The D's with a few uh, James Jordan, the youngster coming through, and and uh, Clayton Oliver and Maxi Gorn continuing their domination with uh, Brayshaw and Petraka in there. Um, so, look, they just did what they had to do, the Ds. They they were a pass for me. Um, I don't know if I can give the Giants a pass for a five-goal loss. I know it was on their, it was on their home deck. It was, you know, it was sort of... You know, not, well, it was season on the line for them. It was, you know, are they going to make a statement after two flat weeks? They were in it for a little bit from what I saw, but the you know they just let Melbourne kick away and lost a lot of their uh, leadership in Phil Davis and Caniglio and Matt DeBoer, three actual real crucial core parts of their leadership up there. So another shocking uh, afternoon for them. So I'm giving Melbourne a pass and the Giants a fail. Yeah, I, I tend to agree on those grades. I think given we've seen now where GWS are really at, uh, they... They just they've just had so much talent come out of that club over the last few years, and now you've got injuries to the leaders. Um, yeah, I think. Did you see this game yourself? I, I watched the half. I oh, watched the half. It. Yeah, I'm I'm all over it at this point of the year, Tom. Uh, so, from, look, I saw parts of it. Toby Green kicked five in. They kicked eleven for the day. He really kept them in it. Um, they were actually in it early in that last quarter. It was only, I think it was under a goal, um, but just. Melbourne just far too strong. Melbourne did what they had to. Uh, and look, I tend to agree with those grades. A little interesting one. Uh, the Giants gave Leon Cameron an extension last year. And since then, he has not won a game. Yeah, I actually saw that one too. He's 0-6. and six, yep. So, yep. And he's coming off worse by the day. I know we keep mentioning the making the mark doco, but he just keeps coming. He, he, yeah, dare I say it might be time for a... Uh, Maybe I might call for a head here, but I think a, a fresh viewpoint might be what they need uh, up there in uh, Western Sydney. I think it's going to get to that, unfortunately, for him, and it may not necessarily be through a fault of his own because he didn't ask Jeremy Cameron to leave. Um, you know, he didn't ask any of these players who have packed, you know, Patton, uh, Scully, even though Scully's retired, I think they certainly would have helped over the journey over the last couple of years. Uh, and look, these fans... I know there's one loyal, loyal D's fan here who uh, who listens and uh, look. You might be winning games now, but it means it'll take might take longer for Simple Simon to get the. Uh, to, to... <laughs> you still think the axe is sharpening for the uh, for the D's? Well, they may not. There. They may not do it, but they're not going to win a flag under him. So what are they doing? They're, tre- they're treading water. <laughs> it, it it goes on every week this debate, and I like it. You. 
the clock's ticking on your uh, mid-season prediction. We'll, we'll see there's, what happens. Well, there's, t- there's two things we like to mention here, and it's that and the fact that Carlton would have loved to have had Tom Papley. And right now, you can't argue that. Can't argue that. Yeah. Now, did you watch today's game? Hawthorne, Geelong, no, I watched today's Easter game Monday, start. Triple MCG, yep. Blockbuster Clash. Did you? I don't know if you knew this, but Isaac Smith used to play for Hawthorne, and now he plays <laughs> for the Cats. Came up a few times, didn't like, it? Did you know? Yeah, it was. Oh, dare I say it's like? Did you know Scott Pendlebury played basketball? It was something that got mentioned a couple of times over the journey. Um, I mean, they gave him nothing, the Hawks, which is probably the way to do it. I don't think uh, Isaac doesn't mind the limelight and getting his mug out there and making it about him on field. So they gave him nothing, the Hawks, and they they were good. They were really good, the Hawks. Uh, were they? Good in the sense of, I mean, they they fumbled their way and they really had some key moments that they just didn't take. Um, I think, you know, Howe's kick into the corridor, which Clarko's defended and said that was what he meant to do. And just a couple of those skill skill errors, uh, I guess, under pressure that, that just really cost them. But, you know, they, they did take the game on um, in an impressive way and they, they really pushed the Cats. I mean, they got the game played on their terms. I mean... You, I wasn't very impressed with the Cats' performance. I mean, they just did what they had to do. They kind of played at the Hawks' level, which is why it suited the Hawks. Um, I mean, yeah, the Cats' back line, as we know, is probably one of the best in the comp, and it stood up to an intense amount of heat, particularly late. Um, but, yeah, I really tossed and turned on these grades. I, I might get your opinion, Seb, just to, just to finalise with what I go with. But what, what were you thinking? Uh, so, look, I thought the Hawks did a lot of their damage late when the game was really done and dusted um and it was it was five goals i think at one stage in that last quarter and they kicked they they got a run on and the cats just managed to hold them off but the cats will be able to do that given the experience in that side so i'm not look it's concerning they haven't been able to run out that game given just how how uh high our expectations are for geelong versus uh versus the Hawks. Um, loved Mark O'Connor tagging Mitchell. That was was great. He's really found a role on that side. I mean, Hawkins kicked two goals, four. If he kicks four goals, two, it's seven goals at three-quarter time, and, and yeah, that's all she wrote. And and he missed some that I sort of, looking back, I'd normally expect him to kick. Uh, it's a pass for Geelong. They got the job done. Not pretty um, at times, but they were... It, even though it was within a kick at the end of the game, it was actually never in doubt that they were going to win that game. So, pass for me. Um, Hawks, I'll, I'll give you a pass, but, you know, if you're just going to keep coming late to the party when everything's done, you, you, you're you going to start failing. Like, you can only get away with that in uni for so long. So, and that's how I see it. <laughs> that, that is true. No, well, yeah, we saw it in round one. I mean, they yeah, they play their best footy, I guess, from the scoreboards against them. But, I mean, if they can play that footy from the, the siren, then they're not worrying about that. So, yeah, appreciate that. I mean, yeah, I was on the borderline of failing the Cats because, you know, th- this is a game that they should win by five goals easy if they are the top four team we think they are. Some of us think they're the seventh best team. We'll see how that pans out. They probably should have put this one away earlier, as you mentioned, a little bit of inaccuracy. But, yeah, uh, uh, their, their back line is probably the best in the comp and, and just showed why late. Um, there are passes all round for me. Pass for the Hawks, pass for the Cats. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, let's do a little bit of rapid fire, Tom. 
Yeah, so just for the listeners here, this is uh, just a retweak of this segment. So uh, professional outfit we are, Seb and I, we do have a run sheet and we've been able to see each other's questions as we've gone. But this week, I don't know Seb's and he doesn't know mine. So you're going to get a, an instinctual take on our questions, which we'll just sharpen these up a bit. So uh, I might uh, jump in first if Go you like, it. Seb. Is the Cats-Hawks rivalry uh, and another close game, I think it's the 11th uh, one under a kick since 2007, is this rivalry, Cats v Hawks, the best of the last 20 years? Uh, it's a very well done, well manufactured modelled rivalry. So well done to, to Jeff Kennett and the team for the, the, the Kennett curse that really brought it to limelight. Uh, better rivalries? I think so. I think the rest of them are really more traditional ones, which... The supporters hate each other, but like the relevance of some of these Carlton Essendon Carlton Collingwood clashes are just they're, they're nonsical. Um, I still would have to say the Derby and the Showdown. There's a bit more hatred in those ones, I reckon. Yeah, that, interesting take there. I mean, we mentioned before the Good Friday game and keeping it. I mean, um, you know. The marker for me for a good rivalry is anywhere, anytime, it's going to be a good quality game. So these two teams, for me, just keep playing hard-fought, close, memorable games. So I put it on a pedestal for that. Obviously, the, I mean, it it sounds easy, but I mean, it isn't manufactured, obviously, when it's two teams in the same town. Uh, yeah, with the showdown and the derby. Um, but yeah, th- this one's been going, I, I guess it was sort of brewing in the mid-2000s and, you know, it's got its stories... And- yeah, exactly. So it's been bubbling around. It is the it's the one for me. Um, and yeah, they've just shown on an Easter Monday they can just do it again. So it is for me. But I, I take your point about both. It, it's more uh, they're two team towns, and, and everyone yeah, has a team so there. So it just it. adds a little bit extra. Uh, are you concerned about the number of blowouts, especially early in the year? Yeah, interesting question that one. I guess yeah, this round is chock full of crazy results. I know. Yeah, the rule changes. We're all loving the game because it's more high scoring, more free flowing. But I guess yeah, the counter of that is that it is meaning a you know last year a five or six goaler is becoming a ten or twelver. Uh, for the moment, I don't mind it. Uh, I think I'm enjoying the exciting brand that's being played. Obviously, didn't enjoy Saturday as high scoring as it was, um, but putting that aside, I, I'm I'm okay with it at the moment. I think the real test for any season is when it gets into that sort of round sixteen to maybe 20 when team seasons are done and it's real, you know, the rounds are dragging and, and it's getting long and the finals are a distant, you know, are in the distance and not close enough how we think about the games then. So if it's been a year of all these thrashings, yes, I'm happy to stick the boots in. But for now, I'm liking the brands being played. I don't mind it. What do you think? No, I, I think we just have to cop it because I think in general the brand is better. So uh, just just deal with it and and teams will work out how to counter it or if we just have more blowouts we do but at, at least things are happening in the games more goals if if teams are winning 60 to 30 versus 100 to 50 you're at least getting more goals and more things happening and and there's a point of play in that last quarter of the dogs ruse games that ruse fans point to because Powell got it out, and Lazaro was on the end of it, and there were a couple of youngsters in between. So it was all the young kids doing something. It's the only thing they did all day, but there was something in it. Yeah, that, that's it. I'm, I'm with you, yeah. So you, you, you take those moments. I mean, goals and 
the plays to make those goals are what we love in the highlights and the high marks. So I think any more of that's great for the game. Got one for you, Seb. We saw it yesterday. Big Harry kicks seven goals, five, a personal best. Has He might have already, but has he arrived as the next big forward? Not just for the Blues, but has he arrived as a young forward in the comp? No, he needs more consistency before he's arrived. Um, I still think Kurnow's a better player. Obviously, he's injured. We won't see him this year. But um, look, to kick seven goals in a game's great. Uh, it's a good starting point. Not so much. He doesn't have to kick seven every week, but... He's got to get his goal kicking more consistent. His mark, he's got to be clunking a few each week and, and just making sure they all come to ground before I'd say he's arrived as the next key forward. No, fair call. Oh, I'm happy to go with that too. Yeah, the, the consistency is a big one, I guess, and, and the and the effort. I, I mean, I know a couple of those ones were great snaps. Um, we want to see what he can do. You know, game on the line, straight kick for goal, um, before, you know, winning a game off his own boot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on the consistency there. Yep. Key forwards, uh, there's a bloke in Adelaide, the Texan, he's doing marvellous things. Is he the best key forward in the game right now? Oh, look, he's the most in form, but I can't say that he is the best. Who's the best? Uh, the best key forward in the club. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's names jumping out all over the place in my head, I guess. Uh Josh Kendi's done it year on year for the last decade. Tom Lynch isn't without his charms, buddy. He goes all right. Um, I think Texas form is well ahead of those three right now. Buddy can't true, get on the park the week after playing. True, but I think it was your question not who is the best. So I'm talking their upper echelon of play. Um, Texas in the conversation, but oh. I don't have him on the top right now. He's the most informed player in the comp. Well, that's what I mean. Number one key forward, forward in the in game the comp, right now. You can't say it's not Tex. And you didn't throw uh, Tom well, Hawkins in there. We have to throw Sorry, that, that is remiss of me uh, to leave uh, big Tom Hawkins. Right that is there. a big miss. But yeah, look. No, no, that's fair. I'm, I'm talking, I th- you know, your question to me was who's best is the best. Just as long as you didn't throw Ben King in there, I'm happy. Or is it Max? I forget. They're both up and coming. Ask me that question in two or three years. Uh, put it, put an end to it, Seb. The Good Friday debate. Do we get the ruse and the dogs locked in for the next five years? That's your day. Your two, cl- those two clubs get the Good Friday, and we can end this debate about who keeps what game. Uh, they certainly should. Whether they will or not is another question. But if you want equalisation and all clubs contributing equally to the pie, then you need to allow some of these lesser clubs, particularly in Melbourne, to start manufacturing this and, and and building up some of these marquee slots. It's what it's the worst marquee slot available because anyone who wants to go away for the weekend goes on the Thursday. Different yeah. to the Easter Monday game where you might come home early on the Monday to get to the footy on Monday afternoon. If you're gonna if you leave after that game, you're not leaving till seven thirty Friday night. So you've really lost a whole twenty four hours on your trip. Whereas coming home early on the Monday, you're going to come home, what, be it eight in the morning versus one in the afternoon. It's not, it's not that big a deal. You had to come home that day anyway. So it's not a, necessarily the best marquee slot either. But if you're serious about having equalisation across the comp, you've got to give it and leave it there. Um, there are other clubs who have been pretty poorly performed on, you know, say a Queen's birthday or a season opener. Uh, even you know, who don't necessarily deserve it. Uh, so 
if you want to put this one up for debate, put them all up for debate and have other teams clamouring for the right to open the season. Fully with you there. I think we've got to give, particularly these two teams, I think the you've got to build the rivalry on the day. I think swapping teams out, you know, Saints have had a crack, Dons have had a crack. Keep the, you know, the ruse, it's your day. You've been the pioneers. The dogs are your rival. Just run with that. You need to build, like we said before, it's that turn up and you don't know what's going to happen on the day rivalry that you're trying to develop. If teams keep floating in and out, it's never going to go. You know, the ruse benefit more if it's something on the day against the dogs, not it's the ruse day, who are we playing in this one? I think you really need to start developing that one. I, yeah, I'm thinking give, give you a bit of time, put it to bed. We don't want to be debating this every year. Just, just lock it in. And I'm with you, you know, to pot the D's. I mean, we've had a fair few shocking uh, Queen's birthday clashes. I mean, they haven't been good for a fair while, those ones, until sort of the last couple of years. And it's, look, that's their day, unquestioned. I think you'd need a bit of that treatment for this one. Yep, yep. I, that's what I think, but who knows what they think. Money talks. Uh, does going one and three to start the year kill a team's chances at making the finals? There are eight teams who will could potentially be one and three after this round. Yeah, you, you are playing catch-up. I'm hoping my team won't be one of those ones joining that list, but it, it's a long way back. I mean, we talked this week uh, about being 0-3. and three. I mean, the odd, I think only two teams have made the top four from there and maybe five or six have made the eight. One and three is, you know, you're basically chasing your tail there. In our comp, obviously, with 18 teams and a top eight, you've got to be slightly better than average. So at one and three, you're already two games behind you know, 50% win ratio there. So you're really almost three games behind already. And as we know, chasing games is is ridiculous. You want to just build that base and have teams chasing you. So yeah, that eight teams, that that's almost, you know, your top eight's half locked in at the moment. So yeah, <laughs> at this early point in the year, That's nine to crazy. 16 and there's two of us on 0 and 3, who obviously could only be 1 and 3, but I'm writing them off completely being North and GWS. Yeah, so, yeah, there you go. So, yeah, the, the, is, we learn more and more, as we said, each week, and we're going to learn plenty given, yeah, that, that stat. That's that's pretty uh, that's pretty amazing. You got any more? Um, yeah, one more for you. Uh, we saw it over the weekend. I just wanted to ask you, which event do you think is rarer in the modern game, kicking after the siren to win a game or the 10-goal bag? Now, I don't have any stats here, but just a gut feel uh, on, on what's a rarer event. Oh, it's got to be the 10-goal right bag. We didn't yeah. see any last year, and we saw, I think, two or three goals after the siren. Um, Correct. If you look at the 10-goal bags over the years, and funnily enough, I didn't know you were asking this question. I've got the stats here. AFL era. Um, Josh Bruce, and this is this says it in the stats, is by far the worst player to ever achieve that in a game. <laughs> uh, before that, we had Ben Brown in 2019, it's the power. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Josh Kennedy, Josh J. Kennedy, sorry, from West Coast to be specific. don't think the Sydney one's ever ventured no. anywhere near the no. 10 goal mark. Oh, well, we know he hasn't. Uh, he was 2015. I wonder if Jack Rewalt did it 2017, 18. It's not on this list. Um, he, he may have done it there. Uh, Tom T. Lynch from, at the time, Adelaide did it in 2013. Uh, so he was second worst player to ever do it, just to 
put that to rest. And both former Saints leaving the Saints and going on to kick bags of 10. You've got Franklin, Lacroix, Rewald again, John O'Brown, the G-Train, Stevie Milne. Uh, so that's it. They're all the players that have done it. Uh, I think as you go further down that list back to the early 2000s, you start getting a few more. Uh, but I think in this day and age, yeah, I, I was surprised. I didn't think I'd ever see it again after Ben Brown did it two years ago, to be honest, and it's opened it up. I still think Josh Bruce was lucky to kick four goals in that quarter. Um, I'm surprised Zeeble didn't show some leadership and go and just, like... Yeah, just what? give Like uh, Hartley today on Tom Hawkins, that little ear massage, that was a bit of a throwback. I don't know if you saw that one. He uh, clipped him on the head yeah, uh, well, he's gonna get, after he'd marked I it. I think he's going to get a week for that, um, for pure stupidity, yeah. but... Um, Oh, I think, I think ironically enough, Zeeble did decide he was going to go and stand next to him, hence how he was able to get to 10 goals. Um, but look, no, 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 to answer your question, I think 10 goals is rarer, harder to do, and, and kicking the goal after the siren, right place, right time. There's a hell of a lot of luck involved, whereas kicking 10 goals, you've got to have some element of, of footballing ability to do it. You've got to play well over the course of a game, not just bob up in the dying seconds. Yeah, true. I mean, it it is crazy, though, to think that, you know, obviously our game's built with forwards kicking goals, and it's freakish that we play that amount of time in a game with that many different ways of scoring, and we can still decide a game with a kick after the siren. So I would have thought that was incredibly rare, but the way the game's played, I'm with you. The 10-goal bag is the rarer. Asked us this question in the 90s, and obviously we would have said the 10-goal was extremely common with Plugger, Dunstall, Ablett, yeah. Carey running around. Lock- but uh, Lockett only did it 22 times. <laughs> only 22 bloody hell um, so yeah there you go so look we'll, we'll keep we can keep tabs on that let's hope there's more 10 goal bags I would love to see that be the more common stat yeah uh, it, it, it's exciting it just it's frustrating when it's against your team I can tell you that but very exciting Supercharged show this one. Lot, lot to cover. Yeah, I hope uh, our fans, we, we want to hear from you on our thoughts. Obviously, the Saints and Ruse topping the act, but we were the headline act over the weekend. Let's hope we can both get a result more uh, more appeasing to ourselves here, Seb, with, uh, with Adelaide and West Coast to come, respectively. But uh, good luck to everyone else with the rest of your teams, and we'll be back. Uh, to cover our bets and tips later in the week. Yeah, I think uh, I think the coordinator could be a bit busy with North Melbourne. Bit of a handful this year based on that performance. <laughs> oh, I'm hoping the Saints won't join them, but we'll see. And we'll, uh, we'll catch you listeners in the next episode.